So today, this morning, we come to the sixth message in our series here on the church mission and some precepts. And I want to ask a question. Without cheating, can anybody verbatim give me our complete mission statement? Okay, good. I guess that 96-inch television that we had as a prize for the big game today can stay in the back there. (laughs) Midland's mission statement is that we would enjoy and glorify God, that we would embrace his word, engage his world, led by the spirit, everyone welcomes, plugs in, and reaches out. See, it was that simple, that television could have been yours. So this morning, we, we zoom in on this plugs in. Now, plugs in is, is a modern phrase, right? They wouldn't have used that back in the Bible time. I don't know what they would have plugged things into then. But what, 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 what that word, what that phrase is trying to get at is this idea that part of our mission is to serve the saints, to serve within the, the body of believers that God has called us to, and that's what we're going to be looking at. We want to serve and minister to the saints of the local church. So we'll pray, and then we'll read our key passage and dive into things. Lord God, help us to have grateful hearts, because you did not leave us, but instead you came into this world served us in such a humble and glorious way by taking on the flesh of man and more than that, taking on our sins in our place, dying the death we deserve, experiencing that wrath of God that should be poured out on us instead poured out upon Christ and rising victorious, conquering sin and death. What a glorious act of service by which any who would believe are saved and are brought in. We're not just saved to you, Lord, but that reminder that we are saved to your church, to your bride, to the body. Help us, Lord, to grow as humble servants in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have a Bible, flip over to Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 12. And right before this passage, the author of Hebrews is warning the, the, the church or the recipients of this letter of apostasy. Because there, it, it, there's this possibility. It's, 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 if you have a group of people, right? I'm not, I'm not going to hide the reality here that some of you perhaps fall into this group. That if you are part of a church community, there are some who are not genuinely regenerated. They are soil that has received the seed of the gospel, but they are not producing fruit. Instead, they are growing thorns and thistles. So there's this warning, and then we come here to our text from Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 through 12. We read these words. 
Though we speak in this way, right? He, the, the writer is speaking kind of forcefully, warning, cautioning. Though we speak this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown in his name in serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So here's my thesis for this morning's message. One cannot love God while withholding love and care for his bride, the church. You can't love the Lord your God without loving and caring for his bride. We must love God and love others. I want to protect us, Midland Free, from a deception or, or, or an idea that often divides the people of God within the church, right? We need to love the Lord and we need to love others. And here's how this sometimes breaks down. One group turns all of their focus to God. We are about glorifying God. We are about growing in his word. That sounds really good, right? We, we want to be about those things. But often what you see with some of these folks or, or churches that are all about this is that people fall by the wayside. We don't care for them. We don't meet their needs. We don't seek to, to help them where they're at. There's no concern for the people of God. The other group turns their attention to the people. They are so focused on the needs and the cares of the church that God actually just becomes a tool instead of the thing we glorify. It's a means to, to serve and, and to minister. And we want to be serving. We want to be ministering. We want to be helping. We want to be doing all of these things. But if the pursuit of bettering a person while not giving the good news of the gospel or not pointing them to the glories of the magnificent Lord, we are falling short there as well. You need to have both of these things together. There's no dichotomy. These two pursuits should not be pitted against one another. And before we dive into, uh, into Hebrews, flip over to Matthew 22. You'll already be familiar with this passage because it was already read. But, but Matthew 22, starting verse 37, again, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees here were, were coming. They were trying to entrap Jesus. Let's ask him a question that if he answers... If he answers this way, ha-ha, we got you because you don't do this. If you answer this way, ha, we got you there. And so finally, one of the Pharisees, one of the, the lawyers there comes and says to him, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? In verse 37, and he says to them, to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your, excuse me, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Now you can imagine they were like, then why are you fighting us, Jesus? Because we are doing all of these things. 
right? They could almost be patting themselves on the back because you have to understand here, just a few verses earlier in this very chapter, Jesus calls to the Pharisees and he says, you guys are hypocrites. And then he says, you tithe on, on, on thyme and mint and, and cumin, and, but you have no concerns for the things of justice, for the, the things of people, right? He is saying to them, you are all about honoring God that you, you literally are like counting the grains to give a tenth to the Lord while forgetting the needs of human beings. So you can almost imagine, there's the, maybe there's this pause here. Maybe Jesus is like luring them in. This is, Jesus does this a lot, right? They're thinking, yeah, you're on our side, right? We are these people, Jesus. Perhaps he paused. We don't, we don't see that here. We don't know. Then verse 39, as they're possibly patting themselves on their back, and he says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depends all the law and the prophets. These two together, if you want to be obedient to the Lord, you have to have both of these together. You can't do one and ignore the other. They work together. Jesus connects them. The first commandment is not the second. You can't say you love God if all you do is love people. And you can't say you love people if all you do is love God. But you cannot love God and disregard people. Therefore, we should love God and love others. For church, in as much as we grow in enjoying God, as much as we grow in, in loving the Lord our God, that savoring of him, that, that joy, that, that excitement, that, 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 what, that, that feeling of, of passion for him, that manifests out in the service of others. Take a look here, back at our, our, our passage Hebrews chapter 6, look what he says here in verse 9. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. Those receiving this letter written to the Hebrews would not be producing thorns and thistles. They wouldn't be worthless. That's from verse 8. This church or these people would be the land described in verse 7 of chapter 6, which drinks in the rain, drinks in the grace of God, and so produces a useful crop and is a blessing. And they are blessed. Fruit and blessing belongs to salvation. These people are different. They serve because they love the Lord God. You see that verse 10, for God is not unjust so as to overlook the work and the love that you have shown in his name in serving the saints as you still do. Midland free, may we be faithful in serving the saints. 
Let us be faithful in serving the saints. The, the author of Hebrews is encouraging them. You're doing it. Still do it. Keep doing it. Right? You, you did it in the past. You did a great job. Thanks them. But he says continue in it. Why? Because there's hints throughout the rest of this letter that perhaps the service to the saints needs to be bolstered. If you flip over, keep your finger because we're going to jump right back here. But if you flip over a couple pages to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, the author says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, right? There, there's service here. We're serving one another, stirring one another up. We're doing good works and love. We're we're, we're trying to encourage one another in, in all of these things. Why? It seems like some people are forgetting to do these things. Flip over another page or two to Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 14 and 15, Hebrews 12, we read this. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. He's writing to the church, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That's, That's labor, that's work, that's serving, that's ministering. You have to know that person to know where they are struggling. One more, Hebrews 13, verses one through three. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. So we serve by hospitality, see last week. We also serve by by helping brothers and sisters who are in jail, perhaps because of the gospel. But in the modern times, we have brothers and sisters who are, you know, serving in jail. Some people are coming to become brothers and sisters because they're hearing the gospel in jail. We should be ministering to our body wherever they are, whatever pain, whatever trials, whatever circumstances that they're going through. We want to come alongside and serve them. And you see this even in chapter 6. There's a call for earnestness to spring forth from the future hope that we have. There's a warning not to be sluggish in this behavior, but instead to be imitators of those who are faithful. Church, the call to plug in is the call to be united with brothers and sisters in this church, in this body. The local church is often compared to a body. Why? Because a body is comprised of many parts with distinct strengths and weaknesses. We need one another. We need each other. The hand serves the head. The knee serves the rest of the body. 
Just a couple days ago, my hip was feeling a little bit out of whack. The rest of my body felt off. We need one another. We, we, we are called to serve and minister to one another. But let us not forget the words of the King of Kings when he speaks to John and James, his disciples. If you have a Bible, flip over to, to Mark. This is one of the most shocking passages, I think, in all of Scripture. You have James and John trying to jockey for position. Jesus, let one of us be on your left. Let one of us be on the right. We want this authority. We want this power. Listen to what Jesus says here. Verse 43, John, excuse me, Mark chapter 10, verse 43 says, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. That is countercultural. Whoever is to be greatest among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. And here's where it gets crazy. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. If the king of the universe can humble himself to the point of being a servant to all. Surely you and I can serve brothers and sisters in the Lord. How can we, how can we, how can we say, well, Jesus does that, but not me? But well, we do that often, don't we? Yes, the church is to serve people outside of the church. We'll get to that next week. But here, there is to be a special concern. There's to be a, a special care for those who are saints, those who are brothers and sisters in the faith. Paul writes in Galatians 6.10, let us do good to everyone, especially to those of the household of the faith. Christian, are you faithfully serving the body? Servanthood and the survival of the church go hand in hand. Servanthood and the survival of the church go hand in hand. The number of people who serve here in Midland Free is awesome. They're a blessing. I mean, we have people here serving on the praise team, the tech team, the children's ministry, small church leaders, the ER team, the smiling face greeters who greet you when you walk in the door and ask how you're doing. We have youth leaders. We have people who volunteer with the Royal Family Kids Camp, Stephen Ministries, Care Team, Go Global, Go Local, Men's and Women's Ministry. We have uh, some lovely ladies who help in the library. They're awesome. Go check out the library. I love books, so do it. Uh, ushers, shine, leaders of, of, of life groups. We have mentor couples. You know what we need? You. Because none of those ministries exist apart from you. And I apologize if I didn't list your ministry. I, I know there's others out there. We need people who are so enthralled with the glory of God that they can't help but want to find avenues to serve and minister and connect with 
other saints so that we can encourage one another, build each other up so that we would grow in maturity. It's almost as if God designed it that way. Please see Ephesians chapter four. But I get it. Service is hard. Being a servant is time consuming. It's draining. Serving is hard because it demands you to lay aside your own pursuits, your own passions, your own comfort, your own ease to help someone else. That's not easy. It's hard. We have so many excuses. We find ourselves living in a me culture that says, serve me, meet my needs. Let's be honest. Think back to maybe the first time you walked into this building. In your mind, did you have a checklist? What was on that checklist? Do they have this? Because we have kids. Do they have this? Because I love that. Or was it, is the gospel being proclaimed? Are they meeting the needs of people? Because I want to help meet the needs of people. Or was it a very me-centered checklist? Brothers and sisters, do you love the Lord? Because if you do that, enjoyment should be directed to him, but that plays out also flowing up to the Lord, and then out to others. The love of God should manifest itself in loving service to other saints. Take a look here again at verse 10. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown For his name. I want to love his name. I want to work in a way that shows that he is glorious. And what is he not going to forget? That I'm making much of his name. That's what he doesn't forget. I'm going to make much of his name. He's not going to overlook it. He's not going to forget it. He will remember you making much of his name. But then the author points out that the way you do that, at least in this verse, is by serving the saints. I'm going to love God so much that I'm going to love his people. God remembers our love and our labor towards him, which expresses itself in humble, caring, concern, sacrificial service to other saints, to other Christians. It's hard. We can become sluggish. How do we overcome that? How do we overcome the barriers? How do we overcome the the me-centered culture? How do we overcome the consumer mentality? I come to church, meet my needs. I could care less about everybody else. We overcome it by the power of God. Church, God empowers God-honoring service. God will empower you to do God-honoring service. Pastor and theologian Augustine 
said these words, Lord, command what you will, grant what you command. Command what you will, serve the saints, minister to them, grant what you command. Church, God provides you all that you need to accomplish what he has called you to do. If he has called us to serve, which he has right here, then he's going to empower you to do that. How? What's even here in these passages? Look, verse 11, right? There should be this earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. God gives you hope, a glorious hope. You can serve, you can give, you can minister to others since you are willing to be spent for the sake of the gospel because there's hope there. I have so much hope in the Lord that I want to serve others because I want them to know the hope of the Lord. If you have Christ Jesus, which Paul tells us in Romans, it means you have everything. You have a glorious hope. How can you not serve? If the king of the universe empties himself, becoming a humble servant for sinful enemies, and your hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ and his righteousness, that changes you. Makes us earnest for service towards fellow saints. In verse 12, we're reminded of the glorious promises that we have in God. The upside down kingdom of God and its blessings are yours Not to those who are first, but those who are last. Those who are willing to become slaves for all are promised a glorious inheritance. See how that fuels? I'm willing to to let go of the things of this world because I have a promise. Flip over to first, uh, not first, uh, Colossians. Flip over to Colossians chapter one. Listen to these words. Colossians chapter one, uh, starting verse 28. Paul's writing this. He's saying him, speaking of Christ, Christ we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom, right? This is how he's serving. I'm serving the saints by proclaiming Christ, by warning people, by, by teaching them everything with all wisdom. Listen, that we may present everyone mature in the Christ, right? There's work, there's labor, there's service there. Verse 29, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Keep that thought in your head. Flip over now to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, right? You're, you're getting something, not from yourself, from somebody else, right? As, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. The gift comes from God. It's grace from God. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. 
To him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Where does the power come from? It comes from God. Christ working in us. God working in us. The spirit being imparted to us. Notice the flow. I can't serve you apart from God empowering me. God supplies the strength. God sustains us in our serving. Through our serving, we are provided the means to to have the power of God flowing through us so that others may know him and see him through our service, through our encouragement, through our support. The divinely empowered act of serving is physically manifests the display of the hope and the glory of God. We don't serve the way the Lions Club serves. We serve by the power of God. Beloved, has God empowered you to God-honoring service within the community of saints? What gifts has God given you? Maybe he's given you some natural talents. Maybe he's given you spiritual gifts and and I don't have enough time to go in on all of, all of those things. And I want to point out that not every spiritual gift is lifted in the Bible. So if you're thinking, I don't have any of these, to be honest with you, I don't care if you know what your spiritual gift is. It really doesn't matter. Just do something. Maybe you find out that your spiritual gift is setting up chairs. Amen. Maybe you try and you're like, that's eh, not really my thing. Don't wipe your hands and think you're done. Go find something else to do. Perhaps, perhaps you'll find something that you never thought you were called to do. And God continues to do that. And I do want to point out a loving, gracious way that it's in your weakness that his strength is made perfect. So perhaps the thing he is calling you to serve and do is the thing you don't think you're really good at. Because then he gets the glory and not you. Perhaps you're an older saint in this church. And as we're talking about service, you're thinking, I've done that. I've been there. I've, I've helped in the kids ministry when I had kids. I did it for years. I'm done. To which I lovingly say, is there retirement from the service to the Lord? Is the glory and the power of God insufficient to strengthen you even though you are 75 years old? If he has called you to ministry, I don't see an end date. Your experience, older saints in this body, your experience is needed. Maybe it's to serve as a discipleship mentor. Maybe it's to to continue to serve uh, in, in some of the other ministries we have, we need you, older saints. To the younger folks, I'm looking over here because I know there's some younger folks over here because I sit by them. Let me say this to you. Don't believe the lie of junior Christianity. There is no such thing as a junior Christian. You are either a Christian or Not. You don't have to wait until you're out of college or 25 to do ministry. I know that because there's some young folks right there behind the camera helping to do some ministry. I 
I know that because if you go back into the children's ministry, I know there's some young folks helping to do that. I know there's some young folks who help set up chairs. Maybe that's that, again, I'm going back to the chair thing, right? Like, I don't know what it is there, but you just, uh, there's chairs everywhere in front of me, so that's hard to ignore, right? You might not be as spiritually mature as another believer, but regardless of where you find yourself on the spectrum of, of maturity in faith, Christ has called you to serve your fellow saints. Find a place, young person, to serve. You want to be trained and grow up in ministry? Get on the job training. Don't wait. If you're a member of this church, you've gone through the membership process, you've talked to elders, you've been brought in, part of that is a covenant, right? You've gone through that, and you, if you're a member of a church, I won't make you raise your hand, but I'm talking to you. If you are a member of this Midland Evangelical Free Church, part of that process was to come into this membership, was to, to, to make covenant with the other members. And part of that covenant was to be an active participant, not just showing up on Sunday morning for service, but to be serving and ministering to the saints of the body. We have a plethora of avenues to manifest the gospel by serving in this church. If you don't know where to get plugged in, please come talk to me after the service. I will introduce you to about 50 people who would love to have you serving. I have a little bracket here, right? So this is like side note, right? Pausing the sermon for a second. I was having a conversation with staff just the other day, and I'm gonna be honest, Part of that conversation broke my heart. Not because the staff's doing anything terrible or anything like that. At the end of March, there's this day that in, on my calendar, and not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a believer, is the most important, greatest day of all. And it's not in December. To be quite honest with you, Early Christians didn't even celebrate the December thing we do. But what they did celebrate every Sunday, but specifically this one Sunday, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? And then Melanie, who's on staff here, she just sent out this thing about like the attendance and, you know, this day and this month and all these other things. Do you know what the highest peak, and it's not just that one day, but the highest time of attendance in the year is right around Easter and the couple days following. You following me here so far? Here's where my heart broke. I was told that we don't have enough volunteers for the children's ministry for Easter Sunday. And perhaps that's because Midland School District spring break happens the week before and it's like long weekend. I'm going to do all these other things. But if more people who don't know Christ as Lord and Savior show up on that day and this church can't put forward its full front and be like, we want to bring the gospel to your two-year-old, your eight-year-old, go in the big service. I hate that term, but everybody uses it here. Go into the big service and hear the gospel there. Like, 
If we as a church aren't willing to bring forward the gospel to as many people as we can on that one day, can we just close up shop and leave now? Why am I saying this? I think we need 15 people. I mean, we could do more, but can we get 15 people who are willing to say, I will, I will cut my vacation short, or I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going out to wherever. I don't know. Where, where do you go? I don't know. And honestly, I don't care. It breaks my heart to hear that on Easter Sunday, we can't present the fullness of the gospel to everybody who shows up at a level that they can grasp it. Close bracket, back to sermon. May we as a church continue to grow in serving the body in all earnestness. May we not grow sluggish in loving the Lord so completely that we can't help but let it flow out into the lives of others that we want to serve just like Christ did with humility and emptying ourselves of pride and arrogance and willing to serve whatever it may be and to meet the needs of our brothers and sisters because they're part of our body. And if you You're strong, I'm strong, because you're part of my body. May every act of service that we do, even in unnoticed ways, maybe you are the faithful prayer warrior. You actually remember when people share things with you in the lobby and you pray for them. And then the next Sunday you go up and you say to them, I've been praying for you every day of this week. How is that going? Guess what? All service done for the saints because of our love for the Lord will not be forgotten by the Lord God. So let us love the Lord God more and be empowered by him so that we would increase the service to the body of Christ. I'm going to pray. I'm going to transition to communion. I pray that as we go to communion, what you would see is the service of Christ on behalf of the body and that we would grow as imitators of him. Let's pray. Lord God, forgive us. Forgive us of when we have chosen set aside the service of brothers and sisters in need or the brothers and sisters in their own spiritual growth because it is draining, it is hard, it is time consuming or honestly, Lord, we don't even know there's a need because we are so focused on ourselves. Forgive us, Lord. I pray, help us. Empower us. Let us not diminish the power that you have already given us through your spirit, which has not just regenerated us, but changes us, Lord. Conform our heart to yours. Help us to be servants. Help us to be slaves to the glorious king, that his kingdom would be made known through our our acts and our, our service and our ministry and our sacrifice for the sake of brothers and sisters, for the sake of others that his blood was spilt for. Help us, Lord. Help us to do that so that you would be honored and glorified in all that service. That others would see it and say, how, why? And we would have the blessed opportunity to share the good news. We pray this in Jesus' name.
elders to come forward here as we serve this, this meal, this communion. So here at Midland Free, we, we do what's known as open, an open table, open communion, and it is for those who are believers. You have seen the glory of Christ. You have experienced the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon you that my sin deserves the wrath of God. And there is no salvation apart from the name of Christ and his finished work and his glorious resurrection. If that's you, partake. If that's not you, I am so happy you're here. And I do ask that you wouldn't partake in this. You would just let the plate go by and know that there is no judgment from us, but we will continue to pray for you that that one day you would come and be part of this body. So as we come here, remember of the service, the holy God who emptied himself, taking on the form of a man, becoming a servant to all by dying for us. So this will be passed out. Take both elements. There's cup with the bread, which is gluten-free, grain-free. Um, no, it's not great. Uh, yeah, it has to be. If it's, I don't It's healthy. It's got nothing in it. Take it. Hold it, because we're going to take these together, because as one body, grateful for the finished work of Christ, we're going to take it as one body. So let me pray one more time really fast before we pass these things out. Lord God, I pray that as we look to Christ's work, his, his broken body, his shed blood by which we are healed. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just see it as an example to follow, that we would also see it as the place where we are empowered to have the strength to follow. And we would come again and dive deeper and deeper into this gracious act and by which we are changed. We are saved and we are made servants, not just to the Lord, but to all. We pray this in Jesus' name.
the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. He took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Take and eat. same way after the supper he took the cup and praying over and he says this is my blood shed for you the blood the new covenant take and drink we do this in remembrance but we also do it and every time we do it we do it to the glory and the proclamation of Christ Jesus until he comes again what a glorious savior we have who met us in the brokenness, who met us when we were rebels, who met us in the mess of our sin because of love for the Father and for the glory of his name. Pray that we would be imitators of him, be faithful servants. Would you stand? And we're going to sing this blessing over one another as we do for communion. Take down chairs. Have a good week. <laughs>